Hey, good morning. I'm glad to see y'all. Hopefully you got your fill uh, of breakfast or brunch. This morning I heard the burritos had a little bit of kick if you use the stuff on it. So I was joking with one of the guys. I said, if you lose your sense of taste and smell, it was a burrito. It wasn't COVID. All right. So that's the story and we're sticking to it. Uh, man, I'm so glad that you are here. We're in the fourth and final week of the series that we're calling Jesus's Prayer for Us. We've been walking through John chapter 17, what Jesus is actually praying for us in his final days and moments. And uh, we're going to finish this series up today. This, this week's sermon is called Praying and Sending. Uh, because we're, this is what Jesus is doing. He's praying over and sending out his disciples. And we're actually at the end of the service after I talk for a few minutes. If you know me, you're like, whatever, a few minutes um, is a while. We're going to talk for a few minutes, and then we're going to actually practice doing kind of what Jesus was doing. We're going to pray, and we're going to send out uh, students and educators and some of our parents as well. So we're going to do that at the end of the service. But let me just kind of do a quick review as we w- walk through the last three weeks of the series. Week number one, the big idea was that when pressure comes... Know that the one who has overcome the world is also praying for you. So we talk about Jesus, the one who has all the authority and all the power, and he's using that to to intercede and to pray for us, which is an amazing thing. And then week two, we saw that the life that Jesus came to give us, the life we were created to enjoy, it begins with knowing God. Jesus prayed in John 17, 3, he said, this is life eternal, that they would know God and Jesus Christ whom they have sent. So it's all about a relationship with God. And then last week, week three, we said that what God has called us to do is invest in a few. And we saw that the work of the Lord, the thing that he talks about all throughout John 17, the thing that Jesus came here for, and the reason he's left us here is this work of making disciples. The work is making disciples. And we saw that Jesus said, I've manifested your name, I've made it clear, who you are, made the invisible God visible. He said, I've given them your words and then I've sent them into the world. Okay, and so this is what, what, what the work of making disciples is all about. It's what Jesus came for and it's why he's left us here is this incredible work. And so we're, we're in this series called Jesus's Prayer for Us where Jesus prays for us and really the last three weeks have kind of been set up for today. So we're just in these last few minutes of the series we're gonna talk about what Jesus actually prays for us, which seems kind of weird because the series was called Jesus' Prayer for Us, and three weeks is kind of this build-up to this. But the reason why we've done that is because Jesus' prayer over us revolves around his mission for us. So everything that we've seen so far, everything really last week kind of was the pinnacle of the series, what Jesus, the work that he did, everything that he prays for us that we'll see today is because, because of the mission. <clears throat> It's what he's praying for us to accomplish, for us to to do. And so Jesus' prayer over us revolves around his mission for us. So I want you to go to John 17. We're going to read verses 6 through 26. We're going to read through really a pretty long passage. But I I want you to kind of pay attention as we read through this, as Jesus is praying to his Father, because he prays really three or four specific things for us, okay? And I'll, I'll, I'll highlight them as we go through. So John 17, verse number 6, Jesus as he's praying, and again, some of these things we've, we've seen over the last couple weeks. He says, I have manifested your name. Father, I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me. 
and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world. <clears throat> I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. And here's the first request, the first thing he prays for here. He says, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Okay, so hang on to that, because he's going to kind of come back and repeat this. He says, keep them in your name, that they may be one. Verse number 12. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I've guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction. Now he's referring to a certain disciple, all right, that betrayed him. His name was Judas, all right? So he's saying, I've, I've not lost any of these disciples that you've given me, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Verse 13, but now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Thanks, sir. He knew I needed some water. That's, that's what us preachers do. We look out for one another. Amen. Um, so here we go. Verse number 15. Here's, here's the second request. Let me take a sip. All right, time in. Okay. Verse number 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Okay, hang on to that. He says, I pray that you keep them from the evil one. Verse 16, again, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 17, here's another request. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only. Okay, what he's saying here is these, these disciples that you've given me that are right in front of me that I've spent my life with. I'm not asking for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So you know who he's referring to here? Who he's praying for? Not just his like in the flesh disciples, but those who would believe. He's praying for you and for me as followers of Jesus. He says, verse 21, that they, and he's repeating the same idea, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. And here's again the same repetition of this phrase, this idea. <clears throat> I'm telling you, it's getting me. Every time I don't bring a, a bottle of water up is when I need a, a bottle of water. I'm telling you. Okay, so here's, here's this next part. That they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them or I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I 
in them. So it's a lot. It's a big prayer, right? There, there's really three basic things that he's praying for us here. He, he, he starts and ends with the same idea. He says, he says, he says unify them. Unify them. And, and then he says, would you, would you protect them? And he says, would you sanctify them? So I want to take just a couple minutes to walk kind of backwards through, through those three things, okay? The very first thing he says is sanctify them. I, I don't know if you all remember, I, I feel like I define this word all the time because it's such an important word. Sanctify means to set apart, okay? It's to grow, it's to be set apart from the world, it's to be set apart to God. And he says, sanctify them. And I want you to look back at verse number 17. This is such a big prayer that Jesus prays for us. He says, sanctify them in the what? In the truth. So what sanctifies or what sets us apart? The truth, right? What is the truth? It's not my truth or your truth or the universe's truth. This is how the world would, would, would play this. It's all about my truth or your truth. This isn't what Jesus says. This isn't what sets us apart. He says, he defines what truth is. What is, what is truth? Your word is truth. He says the word of God is what is truth. And that is what sets us apart. That is what sets us apart from everybody else. It's not just we go to church on Sunday mornings or that we dress differently or anything like that. It's the word of God that changes our hearts and our, our thoughts and our affections and our behaviors. That's what sets us apart. It's the word of God that sanctifies us. I want you to look at 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Peter says this about us, that we're, we're a weird people. We're different. We're set apart. He says, you are a chosen race. I thought I heard it. Amen there. Amen. All right. We are weird people. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're a, we're a peculiar people. We're a different set-apart people. What sets us apart? It's the Word of God. It's the truth. Here's, here's another verse that, that the whole world quotes. Everybody knows this. Jesus says in John 8, 32, he says, you'll know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. But when the world says this, it's like, what is truth? Your truth, my truth, truth is subjective. This is not what, this is not what Jesus says, and we've seen it already, but look at verse 31. Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my what? My word. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth, which is my word, and the truth will set you free. It's not just like choose whatever you want to believe. That's your truth and that will set you free. No, that's a lie. God's truth, God's word, what he has said is true, is the truth. And that will set us free when we abide in his Word. Psalm 119. You could, you could look all throughout Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, all about the Word of God. I just want to pick out two verses. Verse 9, it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it, guarding his way according to your what? Your Word. This is the way you cleanse your way, keep your way pure. Verse number 11, I have stored up your what? Your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Here's what, he's, here's what he's praying. Father, would you set your people apart? Would you sanctify them? The way that we're set apart, the way that we're sanctified is the word of God. It's the word of God. 
And, and this is what he's praying for us. God, set them apart, not by all these other things, but by your word that shapes their hearts and their affections. Here's another thing that he prays for us. He prays, protect them. Protect them. Verse number 15, if you kind of glance back at this. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. So here, here's what he's saying. He's saying, Father, I'm not praying that you would take your disciples, your people out of the world. Because remember, he says, I've actually sent them into the world to live on mission. So I'm not asking that you would take them out of the world. I'm asking that you would protect them while they're in the world. Because I've sent them there on mission. And I want to say something. I don't want this to come across wrong. But every single family that has children has to come to a decision in their life of how they're going to raise up their kids. And one of those decisions parents have got to make and pray over and hopefully um, look to the scriptures to guide this decision is, what am I going to do when it comes to my kids' education? All right? And across this room, we have the whole spectrum. Those who homeschool, those who send to a private or a Christian school, those who go to public school. And every parent, every family has to pray and, and again, seek the Lord's wisdom and discernment and make a decision based on how the Holy Spirit leads you. Okay, so I'm not prescribing anything here, but I want to I tell you what, what we have done. And again, this isn't the right way or the only way, but this is what we have done and why we've done it. Our kids go to public school, all right? And they're going to public school in two days. Hallelujah. We're sending them off, all right? Okay, we're, we're doing it. The reason we send our kids to public school isn't because we think homeschooling is wrong or because private school or Christian school is wrong. The reason that we have chosen to do this since before our kids were born is because we see the public schools as maybe the greatest mission field in this entire country. And because I was a lost kid in a dark world in public school, and God used one young man, one guy, who came and shined the light of the gospel into my life and has totally transformed my life. Because I was a needy kid in a mission field that was dark, and I needed somebody to bring the light of the gospel to me. And so, I, I'm, again, I'm not Christian schools. If you've been around Christian schools, Christian schools need the light of the gospel too. All right? Every, every home needs the light of the gospel. So, again, I'm not saying that anything else is, is wrong. I will say this. If the primary reason you're not sending your kids into a public school is to shelter them, that's not a biblical reason. Because Jesus said, I'm sending them out there. It's a dangerous place. Here's what I'm praying, though. Father, would you protect them as they live on mission? Okay? And so, again, I'm not prescribing anything. This is why we have done what we do. And, and it's, it's because Jesus said, this is for all of us. He said, I'm not trying to shelter you from the world in which you live. I've sent you into it on mission to shine the light of the gospel so people would see Jesus. And so he says, Father, I'm not praying that you would take them out of the world. I'm praying that you would protect them as they're living on mission in the world to which I've sent them. And this is what he's praying. He's praying, protect them. And you may remember the example of Jesus as he starts his his public ministry in Matthew chapter 4. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The, the tempter, the devil, the evil one is tempting him. You remember this? Three times he, he, he tries to tempt Jesus to forsake his father. And three times, three responses Jesus gives. Each time he says, it is 
written. Temptation, it is written. Temptation, it is written. Temptation number three, it is written. So you know what Jesus does every single time that he's tempted with evil, he's tempted with sin, what does he do? He runs back to what is written. The word of God. That's, that's the thing that helps protect him and fortify him against sin and against evil. And so are, are you beginning to see, do you, you understand the, the importance and the centrality of God's word in our lives as followers of Jesus in this world? We need the word of God to, to help protect us. You know, I saw this, um, this survey that was done over the last couple months, and I want to have you put it on the screen. This is a survey that, was, survey that was done of evangelical Christians, which means not just people that would say, I'm a churchgoer, people that would subscribe to basic fundamentals of the faith. Like, I believe that Jesus is God. I believe that the Bible is God's word to me, all right, and, and, and so on and so on. So, so these aren't just everyday people. These are Christians. And the question was, okay, which of these platforms or things do you use on a daily basis? 66% said Facebook at least once a day. Let's be honest, probably multiple, 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 multiple times, right? YouTube, 39%. The Bible, 32%. So if we're considering this room, we would say, you know, six and a half out of 10 in this room would say, yeah, I checked Facebook. I'm on Facebook at least once a day. About three or four out of 10 would say YouTube. That's, you know, I watched some kind of YouTube video or something once a day. Three out of 10 would say, uh, I open my Bible once a day. And I'm not trying to like guilt trip anybody, but man, this just, man, so discourages my heart when I see this. That not just everyday people, but the people of God would say, I believe that Jesus is God, that he came to give me life, and I believe that his word gives me life, and it protects me and sets me apart. It's life to me, and, and only three out of 10 Followers of Jesus actually crack this book open once a day. Man, ugh. the power of this book is so important. And I want to, two quick lessons for me as I, as I think about that. And, and that bothers me as a pastor, yes, but it bothers me as a Christian. That we would say we believe this book has life-giving words and yet we don't, we don't go to it. We don't run to it every single day. So two quick lessons. The less we are in the word, the more we look like the world. It's just the fact of the matter. The word is what sets us apart from everybody else. Not our opinions on things, not the way we look or dress, where we go. The thing that set, sanctifies us, sets us apart is his word. And so the less we're in the word, the more we look like the world the more we look like the world. And we do the things that the world does. We think, we act, we treat people the same way. We don't look any different. The less we're in the word, the more we look like the world. And the less we're in the word, the more vulnerable we are to evil. The more vulnerable we are to evil. Because like Jesus, listen y'all, we all face three or more temptations a day, right? We face temptation after temptation throughout our life. And if we want to escape the temptation like Jesus did, we're going to do what Jesus did, which is we're going to run to the scriptures. We're going to run to the word. We're going to say, it is written. It is written. This is what God says about that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, I'm going to change my, my thinking because this is what the scriptures say. 
But how in the world are we going to say it is written if we don't know what's, what's written? Because we're never, we never have our nose in the book. And I'm not trying to, again, shame us. I'm trying to encourage us. There is life to be found in the Word of God. It's what sets us apart. It's not our trying harder, doing more. It's, our, it's, it's getting in His Word and letting His Spirit take His words of life and change our hearts and our minds. And so He prays, protect them, sanctify them, protect them. And here's, here's the third and final thing. He prays, unify them. Unify them. And he mentions this a couple times. He, he introduces this thought back in verse 11. And then he comes back down to verses 21 to 23. And he mentions it a couple more times that he wants us to be unified like he and his father are one. You know, a lot of times when people look at this passage, the great high priestly prayer, usually we think of Jesus prays for his people to be unified. Right? That we wouldn't be divided. And this is why I think this is so incredibly relevant in 2020 because people all over everywhere are divided on everything right everything people are divided on on justice in our world people are divided on covid whether to wear a mask or not wear a mask people are divided on who's a better team clemson or carolina or ohio state all right i have to throw that in people are divided on everything all right so why does jesus pray unify them is it so we'll like we'll all get along can't we just all get along, right? So we'll be nice to one another. Does he pray that we'll be unified so that life will be better and easier and, and more comfortable? No. No, unity. When we think of unity, it's like, hey, we, have, we all have to believe the same thing, agree, and we're on the same page with everything. That's not what he's praying for here. I want you to see why he prays for unity. Verse number 21. You already heard it, but verse 21. Why does he ask us to be one, to be unified? He says, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So the world would believe. Verse number 23, if it dropped down there, he says again, why does he want us to be one? Why is he praying that the Father would make us one, united with one another as followers of Jesus, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Here's what Jesus is praying for. He's praying for unity for the sake of the gospel so that people in the world will see that Jesus is for real. That's why he's praying that we would be united. Not so we can all be like sheeple or whatever we believe. We all believe in the same thing and do the same things. That has nothing. No, he says, I want you to be united around the person of Jesus and the purpose of Jesus, the reason that he came, the work that he did, and the work that he's left us to do. And so Jesus is not praying, hey, help my people to, to get along with one another and like each other and be friendly. No, he's praying, unite them, just as you and I are united, Father, so that they could carry out the mission of taking the good news of the gospel into all the world. Because if they can't agree on, on me, on who I am, and that you have sent me, how in the world are they going to, ever going to reach anybody with this good news that's going to change their life? And he's praying, God, would you unify them, help them to get past all of the other periphery subjects. Who cares, what you, who cares if you agree about masks or not? Do you agree that Jesus is God and he can change your life? 
If you and I can agree on that, listen, that would change the way that we love our neighbor and the way that we respond to others who don't agree with us. If we would get serious about the one thing that we've been called to be united around, and that's Jesus. Jesus. Listen, y'all, I, I even saw it this morning before I came here. And I, I mean, I harp on social media so much. It's, it can be so good, but right, right now, man, there's, that's where all the division is, is spewed out, right? And so let me, give you a, let me give you a tip. If you're posting something or sharing something or liking something just to prove that you are right, man, you've missed it. I mean, I even saw it this morning. And it wasn't posted in a, in a mean way, but it was shared. This is, this is what I believe, which was kind of a, an underhanded way of saying, if you don't believe this, you're kind of stupid. And literally, a, and these are, these are people from our church, all right? Somebody responded and was like, kind of went off and said, stop spreading stupidity. I'm like, these are God's people for the world to see. And you know, people are watching in on this and going, Okay, this person talks about Jesus, but this Jesus isn't for real. These people who claim to love Jesus can't even get along. They're calling each other stupid because they believe different things. And so if you're not posting something to love others or to point them to Jesus, but you're trying to point them to what, what in your mind is right, but not what is written, slow down, take a breath, step back. Jesus is praying that we would be unified, not around our opinions, around what is written, around Jesus, about the person and the work of Jesus, getting on the same page with that. He doesn't pray that, he's not praying that we'd be united for comfort's sake, for ease, but so that the world will know and believe in Jesus and in God's strong love for them. Our, our unity around that preaches a message loud and clear that Jesus is for real. And so the world, y'all, is looking in on the church, the people of God. I mean, I get it that, that everybody's spewing stuff online, but when the people of God can't even love one another, man, Jesus' prayer over us revolves around his mission for us. His prayer, this whole prayer, John 17, it, it revolves around his mission for us. And the reason we're in this series is because I want to remind us of what his mission is for us. It's not to get caught up in agendas. And listen, it's going to only ramp up more as the election is coming near. It's going to continue to ramp up. Man, our mission isn't, in this world is not to bring people to our side or to our opinion or to our thoughts or our political party, any of this stuff. It's to bring them to Jesus. Amen. This is why we're here. This is what he has left us here for and this is why he's praying for us he prays over us as he sends us out he's praying and he's sending he's praying and he's sending father would you would you unite them would you would you sanctify them would you protect them as they live out my mission for them on earth and so he's praying and he's sending and you know we're gonna we're gonna do the same thing today this is this is what we're doing today why we're doing what we're doing I'm going to call this like Sending Sunday. It's, it's this act of sending out. It's praying over and, and sending out. Because how many of you would agree with me that two institutions in our world that desperately need the light of the gospel are the home and our schools? Amen. They need the light of the gospel. 
And so I want to pray over and send out students and educators and, and parents, you know, to do the work of the Lord, to make disciples, to point people to Jesus. And so home, you know, in the home, think of, think of the mission field of the home. All right, some of y'all have been stuck in the home and you're like, would you send me out of the home? Send me out in the world, please, get me out. Um, and parents are like, amen, it's, for some of you, this week is the week. I'm sending you out, all right. Here's, here's the home, the, 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 the responsibility given to every single parent. Every single parent is to raise up, raise up little demons. That's what I like to joke about. Since we moved here and our kids go to LE, we're raising up little demons, right? No, that's, that's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to raise up little disciples, little followers of Jesus, kids who would know and follow Jesus. And so it's a mission field. The home is a mission field. Every single parent is a missionary trying to point their kids to the gospel. And the schools, schools, man, we're sending educators and students into a place that needs the light of the gospel. It's a mission field. And I don't care what school you go to or what home you live in, it's a mission field. It's a place for us to live on mission. And so if you're a student, college, high school, middle school, whatever, like it's not just a, a, a four years, eight years, whatever, to, to get through and be done and get a piece of paper. It's a mission field that God is sending you into. And I wanna remind y'all, every single year as you start school, this isn't just another academic year to get through. I mean, I, I get that it is, but it's, it's, it's a mission field. And so live on mission. And so that's why we wanna pray over students and educators, a lot who have already started and some that are starting up this week. And what we call this is we call this commissioning, okay? So to commission means to authorize or to send on mission. And you see it all throughout, especially the New Testament. You know, in Acts 6.6, 6, I just want to point us to one example, the first selection of, you know, the, the, the first deacons in the history of the church, seven men that were chosen because they were full of the Holy Spirit. And it says they kind of commissioned them or authorized them, Acts 6.6. 6, it says, these they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Okay, so I want us to just see one example of some biblical precedence where, you know, a, a group of people were, were being commissioned or authorized to go serve and to live on mission. And so they set them before the apostles, they prayed over them, and they laid their hands on them. And so we're going to do that this morning with students and educators and with, with parents, okay? And so here's, here's how we're gonna do this. We've, we've typically in the past had folks gather up here and we kind of put our hands on them, pray over them, and we ask everyone in the church to kind of symbolically raise a hand to lay hands on them, which actually works out really great with social distancing, right? Okay, so we're gonna do that. So I wanna ask students and educators on all levels to come on up front, all right? I'm just gonna ask you to step on up front and just kind of gather anywhere up front um, you can come sit, you can socially distance, um, whatever you want. We just want to ask all educators, teachers, administrators, students, college, high school, middle school, younger, come on up here. And we're going we're gonna to pray. And I'm going to ask... Uh, Lee Ganey, who is an educator over at Lee Academy, um, to pray over these students. And actually, why don't, why 
Why don't we do this? Would you all just stand with us? I forgot to do this in the first service. And as we begin to pray, would you lift out a hand? We're going to just pray, commission, and authorize all of these students and all these educators and ask that God would protect them and use them on their mission field. Let's pray. I'm going to stretch the hand of the Father, Lord. Thank you for bringing us here today, Lord. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to pray with these young students, Lord. Lord, I ask that you just be with them as they go throughout the school year, whether they are started or they get ready to start, because we know that these students are the future of your mission, Lord, and on any normal view, Lord, they're faced with the loss every day, and they're, they can be your voice in a place that truly needs it, Lord. But we also know that this year presents even more challenges, even more uncertainties, and even more fears for these young people, Lord. And I ask that you just bless them and give them the strength to know that you have all the answers so that they can go into these schools and show these laws that there's a place that they can take all their fears, take all their worries, and they can just put them at the feet of you, Lord, so that you can continue to bless this school and these schools that they enter into, Lord. I ask that you be with them throughout this year and just give us the ability to continue to love on them and help them get through these difficult times. Amen. Amen. Stay up here. Everybody stay up here. I want to have um, one of our students. Where's Taylor? Okay. Are you a junior this year? Is that right? What year are you? Are you a junior? Sophomore. Sophomore. Okay. I overshot. That's all right. Taylor's one of our students. She's going to pray over our educators. All right, thank you. Y'all can go ahead and be seated. I want to have our two couples come on up. Come on up here, Ryan and Jamie. Um, BJ and Brittany, come on up here with your little ones. We're going to pray over these uh, two families here. All right. Cool, cool. Um, so we've got... Uh, Ryan and Jamie Pringle and their little one-year-old dude, Micah, right? Hey, hello. <laughs> I was like, who's this guy? All right, and so we're going to pray over these guys. You can, you can sit down there. Um, so then we've got uh, BJ and Brittany, um, and we've got... Wyatt and Waylon. Wyatt and and then we've got little Dawson Witt. Okay, five months old. We got that right? All right. He's got his dad's hair. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we're excited to pray over these families because um, parenting is a hard gig. Amen. Um, some of you are like, no, it's, you're a kid, so you don't know. It's hard. It's hard stuff. And God has called parents to do an incredible, incredible work. And there's just a lot of um, stops and starts and failures, and there's a lot of grace required, um, and yet God's going to use you all. And so I want to pray over these these folks, actually, you know what, before I do that, um, I've got a book for each of y'all. I'm a book guy, okay, you know that, I've already, I've already done this before, so I'm going to give you one of those. It's called Family Discipleship, um, and just to help y'all in this incredible journey, and so um, would y'all do me a favor, would you stand with us, and we're going to pray over these families, and these little guys, Micah and Dawson, okay. 
And go ahead and lift a hand out, and we're going to lay hands on these parents as we commission them. Father, you are so good to us. Uh, you are the perfect parent, and there's no way we could ever uh, measure up to your goodness and grace and, um, and all that you have done for us in being our heavenly Father. And yet, Lord, I pray for these parents, for um, Ryan and Jamie and um, BJ and Brittany as they raise these little guys um, and their families, Lord, as, uh, as they seek to glorify you, as they seek to honor you, as they seek to train up their kids in the ways of the Lord, as they seek to point them to what is written, Lord, I pray that you would give them the grace that they need every single step of the way, God, that you would give them the strength that they need um, to, to be loving and truthful yet gracious. Um, Lord, I pray that you would give them wisdom that they could not manufacture on their own, that, that they require from your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, would you help them? Would you bless them? Would you use them? I pray for, for, um, for Dawson and for Micah, God, that they would come to know you um, as soon as they understand who you are, as, as early as possible, that they would submit their lives to you. And so I pray for these parents that you would use them to, through their marriages to showcase the glory of the gospel and your love for us. And so would you use these parents, would you, would you create a, a, an environment in their home where you are lifted up? And God, I pray for these kids and these families that you would bless them, that you would use them, and that you would multiply their work out into the world in which you're gonna send them one day. And so, Lord, we love you. We pray your greatest and richest blessings over these families. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Why don't you all have a seat? Actually, no, stand, 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 stand. We're going to sing one more song. Thank you all for coming up here. Uh, we're going to do one more song, um, and then we'll, we'll dismiss here in a minute. say one more thing here. I'm going to pray over you here in just a second. This applies to students, educators, wherever you work. Listen, God gathers us together to scatter us out into the world to live on mission. We sang about his presence. Here's what your job is. No matter where you go tomorrow or the next day, our job is to take the presence of Jesus into every space we step into. No matter where God sends you, no matter what job or school or home you step into, our responsibility is to take the presence of Christ into that place and to show him off. And so every single one of you, I'm going to pray over all of us this morning because you're all sent. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are sent. The reason he has left us here is to send us out of this place, to scatter us into the schools and workplaces and homes and neighborhoods, wherever he has sent us, to take the presence of Christ. Amen. And so, Father God, I pray for every single one in this room, every person that names you as Lord and Savior. 
God, you have created us and sanctified us. And Lord, you, your intention is to send us out into this world. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, I re I, 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 we repent of small thinking that our lives are just about the day-to-day. -day. Lord, you have created us for a mission, for a purpose. And it's to take your presence into every crack and corner of our culture across this county and across the world. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to view our lives and our vocations, our jobs, our, our schoolwork and our, our fields, our practice fields and sports um, fields and courts and every single place that you send us. Lord, would you help us to see ourselves as your people on mission that you've set apart and sanctified by your word. Lord, help us Help us to be in your word and would you continually be changing us and molding us and helping us to live our lives on mission for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Have a great week. You are sent.